You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So when we started this conversation about the history of the church, I said to us that one of the beautiful things about history is that it allows us appreciate the heritage that we have. It allows us appreciate the fact that we are not the first people to hold this faith. It allows us give context to some of the things that we do as church, some of the things that we believe. And I know it might be hard the way we behave on social media to believe this, but we are not the ones who invented Christianity. I know as a generation, we are very possessive of the things we think we know, which is not like a lot, but it's okay. You know, we're very confident, but there is a lot about our faith that is beyond us, right? And so we started, uh, I think it's three weeks ago now, a conversation where I said, even before Jesus you know, landed, that uh, God had begun to speak about the church. So we spoke about the church, the shadow church. And we spoke about the place of prophecy as God walks with us. And the fact that Israel was a shadow, a, a picture of the church. And I remember one of the things I said that Sunday was that God leaves clues for us. And I don't know who you are, but God has been leaving clues for you about your life. He has been speaking to you already in shadows, in prophecies. All right? And the next Sunday, we spoke about the early church. We spoke about the fact that when once Jesus dies, pays that ultimate sacrifice for you and I. And if there's anyone here who has not accepted that sacrifice, it's a beautiful day to do that. All right? Jesus pays the price for us. And he says to the guys who used to be his disciples, he says, go and wait until the promise of the Father shows up. And we said that Sunday, gathered upstairs in the upper room, so we say it's upstairs, Pentecost happens. And at once Pentecost happens, the church, you know, is, it's like birthed. It's like, uh, so if you took the first couple of years, the church in the shadow, almost like the church in, in like a pregnancy period, when Jesus dies and with Pentecost, the church is birthed. Is bettered in power, is bettered in love, is bettered in wonder. All right? And, but one thing that marks the church, we say because the early church is so close to the death of our Lord Jesus Christ that they did not find the concept of sacrifice a difficult one. And so they, they, they'd seen Jesus give his entire life. And so they, they found it easy to, to deal with persecution. They found it easy uh, to say, look, if you're going to kill us because of this whole Jesus thing, yeah, man, let's, let's do it. They found it easy to, well, when I say easy, I didn't mean it's not painful, but they could, they, if, they, if you beat them, they, they were happy. Yeah, I don't know who, maybe, you know, maybe Tolu, for example, they tell you, oh, nobody in Lekki is allowed to worship Jesus anymore. If you worship Jesus, we're going to give you 12 strokes of the cane on your backside. Like they used to do in some schools before they spoiled everything and now you can't. <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many of you will say, yes, flog me. Theoretically, we can say that. 
But then when we find out these guys are not joking, that's <laughs> it. But I don't understand. I, I, I can imagine us as a rational generation telling, uh, even if I say, she is just to tell them that I, I don't believe. But in my heart, I know I believe. Uh, <laughs> okay, I don't believe now. Hey, so what, you won't flog me. Up. But the point is, we, how many of us will, so that early church life where the guys were going, you're going to beat, all beat us. Where they would leave careers. They would leave their reputation. They would leave all sorts of things just because of the gospel. And I remember saying to us guys that I believe that there is still scope for sacrifice. And when we talk about, you know, this, this phase of the church today, you would say, I believe that there's still, if Christ tarries, a generation of Christians that are coming who we need to pay the price for today. Anyway, but that was the conversation. And then on Wednesdays, we started looking at a couple of love letters. Hmm. Psalm 16 verse 11. For someone, thou will show me the path of life in the presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That had been dropped in my heart. I, I apologize. I forgot this. Psalm 16 11. Thou will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And I don't know who that person is who needs to find joy in God even as this service goes on. All right. And on the Wednesdays, we have been looking at the letters that Jesus writes to the churches. And my goodness, that has been a journey. So we started out with Ephesus, who is a fantastic church. You know, Jesus says, know your works, know all the fantastic things you're doing. He says, but you have forgotten love. And then we went on to Smyrna, which I think that was Folabi and uh, Demilade, who so graciously took us through that tour. On, um, on Wednesday, this last Wednesday, we spoke about Pergamos. So Ejiro um, very graciously, you know, um, did the hype man thing for me. So he came up and, you know, talked about it. But, you know, Pergamos was a fantastic church to review because Jesus says to them, look, you are, you are, you are located where Satan's seat is. Right? And that's an interesting church. Yeah, he says, but this one thing, you know, I have you know, I admire you for is that you have refused to deny my name. All right. So, um, this Wednesday, we will go to a church called Tyatira. All right. Now, that one is a beautiful church. You, if you don't, if you've not been in the Wednesday service before at live, at least come because, yeah, that, no, I'm, I'm not spoil it for you. But that was a beautiful church. Anyway, let me read out. Let me, let me proceed. I think we'll do the interview uh, much later. Um, Galatians chapter 1 verses 6 to 12. Paul writes to the church, he says, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preach you, let him be a cost. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than what you have received. Let him be a cause. For do I now persuade men or God or um, do I seek to please men? For if I yet I pleased men, I would not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after men. For I received it, I, didn't, I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Today I'd like us to talk about um, the church um, after 
So let's say after 70 years, so 70 AD, after the death of Christ, onwards for another 300, 400 years. So it's a bit of time we're covering. But someone said to me last two Sundays ago, but you know, with hist- history can be tedious. I didn't do history in school. I was, I've, I kind of thought fun, you know, things like history were for uh, people who didn't like science, you know? So I did, I like, you know, and I like the challenge, so I didn't do history, right? But I kind of regret that a little uh, because there are things I don't know now which I have to then learn. Um, when we go on holiday, right, as a family, and I think this is true of most Lagosians and Nigerians, um, when we go to a new place, it is rare that, so when we go to on holiday, my wife, yeah, she's not here, so I can speak freely. <laughs> my wife would say we should do, you know, these buses, these tours, where you now climb on the top of the bus in the cold, and then we're going around, and they'll be pointing out places to you. My wife would say, let's do that tour. I'm a Bini man, and, and you know, you calculate how much, 100 pounds, so they'll be pointing. <laughs> and I like, and so I typically, I don't think I've ever agreed, um, well, I typically would just say, well, why don't you go by yourself? I, you know, um, I'm just being honest with you guys. I don't like, so I don't like the touristy things, but I find that typically when you go into a new city, the things you want, I said, negotiate, where is the shopping? Where are the malls? Now, I knew you guys don't do that, but that's how, most of the places. Where, where is the best place to shop? I mean, there are one or two of you. Bamba and his wife are more touristy. They go and find the tour, we take them, or oh, this is the old, uh, this, the old, that, you know. But I find that that whole lifestyle where when you visit a place, um, you are not immediately trying to figure out um, what is the culture of the place or what is the tradition of the place or what is the history of the place um, is something that is almost inspired by poverty. You know, so I mean, because you, 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 you get into London and you're immediately saying, um, where can I go and shop? I mean, some of us have been to London five times. You have never gone to visit any of the historical sites. Some of you have been to fancy cities. You've been to Dubai. And you have never really bothered. All you know is you know where all the malls are. You know the ones for cheap goods, for fake goods, which you shouldn't know. <laughs> but it's interesting that oftentimes in our faith, in our Christian journey, we approach it like that. That we want to know where the shopping is. We are comfortable to know where, they, where, where, they, where is the prayer for husband. I'm coming where you are. Where is the healing? But we, we are not, we are ignorant of the traditions, the culture, the milestones, the big things um, about our faith. And, and so when we take this journey, I'm challenging you not to, to, to stay here and to hear, like I said two weeks ago, God's footsteps as he approaches you. You are a Christian in Lagos, uh, 2019, going on to 2020, you have a Bible, you have belongs to a local church. How did this show up? Yep, how did this show up? And, and I generally believe that if you can watch Big Brother, you like history. 
Some of you can tell me what happened. I don't know how long it was. How long was Big Brother? Three months? Are you sure? W were you watching it? <laughs> let's, let's talk later. Okay. <laughs> so you watch, and some of you can tell me, you know all the people. You know the lady who won? What's her name? Exactly. Messi. You see, a Christian name. <laughs> But you cannot, let me not, let me not go there. <laughs> but my point is that you know, you know the story, you know who she, who she talked to, who liked her, who was the guy that liked me. I know I didn't want, sweetheart. <laughs> All right. Okay, but there's another guy they wanted to win that didn't win. Mike. <laughs> so, so you know, so this, you cannot tell me the history of the church is boring. <laughs> That I'm just saying the same way you approach Big Brother, you have capacity. Now, there are a couple of things. Welcome, sirs. Thank you so much. Um, I'll bring you up later. Uh, there are a couple of things about the, about the church after. Or towards, so we said, you know, um, Sam, I need my board. We said by the, you know, 30 years after Jesus dies, Galatians chapter 2, Paul says by this time, We've had a conference in Jerusalem. Um, we agree that Peter has been sent unto the Jews. And we agree that Paul has received grace to take the gospel to the Gentiles. And so the apostles are kind of settled. There's a big church in Jerusalem where Peter, James are presiding over what is happening. And, and then people like Paul are going outwards um, so when Paul will write to the church in Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, I think verse 11 or verse 12, he would say to them that this has come to your verse 6, sorry. He says, all over the world, the gospel is growing and bearing fruit just as it has been doing among you. So the gospel exploded. Yeah? Um, and, and they began this concept and they would call it the Catholic Church. Now, the Catholic Church was not a denomination. They used it to mean the universal church, right? And so, for example, as you read through Paul's letters, you will realize that Titus had been sent to lead the church in Ephesus. There's a gentleman called Linus, and historians will say he was leading the church in Rome. Uh, Titus was sent, actually, I think, to Crete, all right? Um, Timothy, I think, was the one. I mean, these guys all were sent to different places. The center of the church steadily begins to move away from Jerusalem. Um, as you move further through the ages, Jerusalem falls. Jerusalem is invaded. And so the center of the church begins to move from Jerusalem as we know it, towards Rome. Um, Paul and Peter spend most of the last part of their lives in Rome. In fact, Paul has made a trip to Rome already. Um, and so he writes one of the epistles called the book of Romans. It's a letter he writes to the church in Rome. All right? The, the gospel moves to Italy, moves to Spain, moves to France, moves to North Africa, and at some point moves to England. By the time you are 
um, let's say AD 70, AD 80, some of these places already have a local assembly, a gathering of Christians already. And one thing I'm going to ask us, church, is that you prayerfully consider where is God sending you to with the gospel? Where is God sending you to with the gospel? Thank you, sir. Where, help me ask your neighbor, where is God sending you to? Where is God sending you to? Thank you. Help me ask your neighbor. I know you're like, you have guilty conscience because you're not sure yourself where God is sending you to. But where is God sending you to? And tell them, give them, suggest places to them, Ibadan, Joss, London. Suggest to them, tell them, ask, ask them, have you considered taking the gospel? Why are you ignoring the guy next to you? Uh, <laughs> Canada. Have you, have you considered Canada, somebody? Kanu, Kaduna. <laughs> Maiduguri. Who is God sending to Benin? Eh? Nifemi. Where is God sending you to? So the, so the church becomes Catholic in that sense that there is a network of churches. I'm going to write a couple of things, don't worry. And I'm going to write fast. So it's Catholic, all right? That's where it comes from. And the concept of the church becoming orthodox also. So when we say it's an orthodox church, that all begins to evolve from this time. So on one hand, remember... The apostles are getting older. Paul is writing a number. When Paul writes a number of the letters that we read, he's in Rome in jail. <laughs> but they begin to find in the early church, so you read, I think it's in Acts chapter 2, the Bible would say in verse 42, that they devoted themselves daily to the apostles' doctrine. And so you will begin to find, even in the early church, a need for them to say, this is what we believe. And so when you speak about a church being orthodox, it means that they subscribe to a set of beliefs. So the first were Catholic, meaning that the church was universal, it was inclusive, it was connected to so Jerusalem, and then Ephesus and Antioch, and all the other places, and then they began to develop belief, right belief, that was embraced by the church. In fact, early theologians would speak about something called the rule of faith, a short statement about the essentials of the Christian story. So when you read through some part of Paul's letters, for example, 1 Timothy 3.16, he would say, uh, talk about Christ who appeared in a body, was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. It was a summation of what they believed. And, and that was so when we say it's an orthodox church. So whether you like it or not, Life Elevation Church is an orthodox church because we... <laughs> We, and I'll tell you, by next week when we speak about the Reformation, you will understand why those tags then stick on certain churches. In fact, next week, you will understand where the Anglican church comes from, where the Lutheran church comes from. But every...
every church, because one of the things which they realized was that they needed to put this statements, rules of faith together because doctrine is an important thing. In fact, one of the things last week or two weeks ago, we said persecution showed up. One of the things that the church begins to deal with as it grows on is heresy, is false teaching. But this wasn't strange. When Paul speaks to the church or the elders in Ephesus, Acts chapter 20, um, when he's about to have his last meeting with them, he says to them, once I leave you, he says, wolves are going to show up. Acts 20, 28 to 30. It says, take heed unto yourselves and unto all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves <laughs> shall grievous wolves enter in among you not sparing the flock It says, and even also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. And so the church is growing. AD 70, uh, Jerusalem has fallen. So it's no longer even the center of the church. There's a whole Catholic community, a whole universal church. But the need to develop orthodoxy has a reason. And primarily because of heresy. So people begin to ask themselves, what do we believe? What do we teach? So Acts chapter 2 says there is something called the Apostles' Doctrine. Hmm. And, and this is important for us as a modern day church to note. Because what you do not value, you do not protect. I repeat, what you don't value, you don't protect. If I gave you an envelope today, and I say, would you please hold this envelope for me? Um, if I said to you, oh, it's just a random piece of paper, you take care of it because P.I. said to take care of it. If I said to you, it contains my birth certificate, my marriage certificate, and my university certificate. I went to university, Right? I, I did. I have, a, have, a, have a certificate. You would take care of it a bit more, right? Oh, this is PIFP. If you lose the wedding certificate, who knows what will happen? PI, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And PI will be upset. Ah, wedding certificate is very important. And, but if I told you it also contains a check for $500 million, <laughs> that envelope is not going anywhere. You are sleeping with it. You're, if it, you go out in the rain, you'd rather the rain beats you first before it beats the envelope. And it's true. With doctrine, it became the same thing for the early church. And so, the concept of an orthodox church was birthed. So here Paul says to you know, Acts chapter 20, he says to the guys, look, once I leave you, he says, wolves are going to show up. And so, as I began to walk through this particular path of history, I began to realize that the Christian faith was never meant to be lived without an understanding of sound doctrine. And so, you would find the early fathers putting things together. 
there's one old Roman creed. At some point, it's called the Apostles' Creed. And they would typically use this for baptism ceremonies. It says, I believe in God Almighty and in God and Christ Jesus, his only son, who was born of the Holy Spirit and Virgin Mary and was crucified on the Pontius Pilate and was buried. And the third day rose from the dead who ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father when he comes to judge the living and the dead. And in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Church, the remission of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, the life everlasting. The danger for some of us who would get born again nowadays is that we get born again, get into church, but have no indoctrination. Help me ask the person next to you, do you have doctrine? Do, do you have doctrine? Yeah? Do you have doctrine? All right? What you do not value, you don't protect. Jude chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. I like it in the message translation. It says, dear friends, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging that you fight with everything that you have for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. What has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. He says our scriptures warned us that this would happen. Who beneath their pious skin are shameless chondrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of God with sheer license, which means doing away with Jesus Christ, our one and only master. And so what you would find um, as the apostles, and just so, I hope you know this, that most of Jesus' first disciples were killed. Yes, most of the first set of disciples were actually killed. They were martyred. And as they begin to, um, to go on to glory, the church realizes that they can no longer depend on oral tradition. And so what begins to happen is people are writing letters. So Paul is writing the letter to the church in Philippi. He writes another one to the church in Rome. He writes another one to the church in Galatia. He writes another one to the church in Ephesus. He writes another one to the church in Corinth. In fact, he writes two to the churches in Corinth and Thessalonica. And Peter begins to write. And John begins to write. And James begins to write. And I, and I hope as we talk about this, you actually begin to see the evolution of the New Testament part of the Bible that we have today. Because they are concerned about the fact that people are showing up. Now, there used to be a test we would do in consulting. That if I started a conversation and I spoke to Bambo and I spoke to him for one minute and told him a story. The red man, the man wearing the red shirt showed up. Um, he said, what should we do? And he said this and he said this. And I said to Bambo, in confidence, tell that story to Raleigh. And then Raleigh told the next person and the next person and the next person. Sometimes by the time the story ends up here, it's no longer a man wearing a red shirt. Sometimes the red shirt wearing a man. <laughs> but you all know how gossip moves. In fact, you know how even proper stories. And so the church realized we could no longer depend on oral tradition. And so the Bible, scripture, 
the latter part of scripture is birthed. It's all in a bid to protect doctrine. And, I, and as, I, as I pondered on this, I started, you know, just asking, what doctrines will we hand over to the next generation church? What doctrines will we hand over to our children? And you're going to have children. That is the whole point of all these messages you are sending to this girl at night. Oh, you just think it's romance. Not true. You're going to get married to her and children will come. Oh, yes. Yes. In Jesus' name. Oh, you're going to be someone's father. <laughs> Someone says the pressure. The pressure. And you're going to be someone's mother. And you would have to explain to them who God is. And you would have to explain to them and don't, for, don't, don't forget that when our children will come, things, things will not be the, I mean, things are not going to be the way they are now. Technology will be a So there are certain things that will be difficult to explain except you have understood doctrine for yourself. Jude says to fight for these things with all that you have. And that is what the early church did. So they refused to rely on just oral tradition or transmission of doctrine and they would begin to write down. When you read through all Paul's letters, in Acts chapter 19, I think he finds a church where they are believers, but they have only heard about the baptism of John. They have never heard about the rest part of the gospel. And they have never heard about the Holy Spirit. When you read through Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus gives some of the churches feedback, he says, guys, you're doing a great job. He says, but I cannot understand this doctrine one church, it says the doctrine of Balaam. We looked at it on Wednesday. So doctrines matter. If, if you were, um, it's, it's like the source code. Is that, am I right? It's like tech people. It's like, it's, like the, the, it's like the source from where your faith is drawn. So doctrine is not an old world church. It's not a foreign word. It's not something that was in the past. Our church has a statement of faith. As a Christian, you must have a statement of faith. You must have the things, you must know why you believe the things that you believe. And so the Bible is birthed. And not just doctrine is birthed. Next Sunday, I think before service, I'll teach a small Bible study on how the church makes decisions because practices are birthed. Customs are birthed. Every church in its time has its practices. One of our practices at LifePoint is that we meet in a room that is slightly darker than normal. It is not a doctrine. Because <laughs> sometimes people come here like, it is dark. Yes, it is dark. We like it like this. It's like a nightclub. Yes. <laughs> oh, for example, we have a God experience. Someone comes up every Sunday and says, my name is John. I'm here to share my God experience. We all share. Yay! And then they say, when I was three, and then God met me it's a practice of the life point church it's not a doctrine how the church makes decisions Bible study next week but Paul and all the other apostles begin to appoint new leaders of the church may I say this before I progress to the last part and try and make this short the Bible 
was never meant to be far away from us as Christians. The Bible was, we are, for some of us as Christians, we are too far from our Bibles. I, I believe that God is inviting someone this Sunday to understand doctrine. He said to me, and I put, I put it down, that there was too much work had gone into the preparation for your faith. For you to be ignorant. Too much work had gone into it. And I'll explain in a bit. That a Christian who does not study scripture is disconnected in a sense from the body, from faith. Jesus says in John 15, if you remain in me and my words abide in you. So this is not about one verse. This is not about taking one verse in Psalm that looks nice on Instagram. Mm -mm. You, you can continue to do that one. You know how we post one verse just to remind people that we know scripture and we are Christians? That's fine. We should do that one. But there's you taking Paul's letter to the Roman church and going through it systematically and understanding hope. Because sometimes I know some of them are a bit difficult to read. But I insist that if you can study physics, you can study scripture. If you can study further maths, you can study scripture. Some of you understand robotics. Some of you are designers. Some of you, you do come. Scripture is not hard. Some of you have read the whole, you've finished the whole series of, um, what they call it? Tell me, tell me. Huh? Sorry? Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Okay, well, Harry Potter, yes. You, find, you said my pastor said Harry Potter. I watched one one I tell you I thought it was nice but, but it's okay uh, some of you have finished the whole some of you have watched every match of the Premier League for the last five years you can study scripture because doctrine matters you know what happens young well we say I like to say young people but we say when someone sends you a message and it shows that you read it or you received it, but you don't respond. You said the person left you unread, right? Too many of us have left God unread. We have received scripture. So in God's side, he's looking at it. Ah, Shoma received Proverbs. Ah, Jerome has received this. But there's no response. There's no interrogation. There's a refusal. To find out what God is saying. A gentleman calls the Bible the divine library. And I was praying yesterday, I said, God, would you raise in this house students and teachers in your house? People who would come to the place where we treat Christian doctrine as valuable, as holy, as powerful. We belong to a generation that asks questions. My worry is that a lot of that questioning is just because we want to be contrary. Because your curiosity should lead you to a place where you actually study. Alandas, guys. Because as structure evolves, two things happen. Patterns for how churches are run begin to evolve. How they worship begins to evolve. And persecution continues. I need to prepare us for this and I'll be dishonest to you as your pastor if I anyone who stands for the God
gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ will face persecution. Yep, you will face persecution. But Jesus speaks about an overcoming church. And in the last couple of weeks, I have braced myself even further, but also taking a lot of solace in God's encouragement. There is a safe way to practice our faith in which you will stare no persecution. And But God calls us to more than that. In fact, I think yesterday he began to say to me, look, there's an allotment. I, I began to say, there's an allotment of cities. There's an allotment of callings. There are people, God is looking for people who will take the gospel to places. He's looking for people who will take social media. There are cities where the gospel needs to be taken. There are people who need to come face to face with the gospel. Paul says in Romans 1, I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says because it is the power of God unto salvation. Help me ask the person next to you, where is God sending you to? Where is God sending you to? Because this picture that we have of God whose only interest in our life is for us to be, to have a G-Wagon with red leather seats, to be properly married to the shame of our ex, to have enough money not to be hassled on Instagram. I wonder where we got it from. Because it is right and true that God delights in the prosperity of his servants. But there's bigger work out there. I beg, tell the person next to you, God is sending you somewhere. He's sending you somewhere. Tell them, I know you are doing fine, boy. I know you are doing fine, girl. I know you like your wig. I know you think you will live in Lekki forever. But tell them, I prophesy to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is sending you somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. God is sending you somewhere. Because by the time the gospel reaches Turkey, reaches some, it is five hours away from us in Africa. And as we walk through the next generations, we'll begin to see how it, it comes to Lagos, Nigeria. What you don't value, you don't protect. What you don't value, you don't protect. Something phenomenal happens, um, I think, around AD 300, AD 312. Something phenomenal happens. By that time, the church has moved to Rome. So Rome is the capital of the Roman Empire, which is fast spread. But because Jerusalem has been destroyed, there's a big church in Rome. There are loads of Christians in Rome. And then Constantine, who is the emperor of the day, gives his life to Christ. Now this is big, and you must remember this. Once he gives his life to Christ, he says that Christianity is now the religion of the state. And things change dramatically from then on. The church becomes a big deal. However, more than just the politics of that, what I want to draw our attention to is something called the meetings of the church, the councils of the church. The first one is one that happens in 325 called the Nicene Council. N-I-C-E-N-E. -E. So if you've ever studied, you will hear about the Nicene Creed. And essentially what happened 
in those councils is that he would gather them together, the bishops from all the different parts of the world, the leaders of the church, and they would say there is this contentious issue about doctrine. And they would discuss, and they would discuss things like Trinity. They would discuss things like how does one get saved? They would discuss things like what is the power of the of the bishop. They would discuss things like who Jesus was. As and so there were seven big ones. There was one in 312, or one in 325, one in 381, one in Ephesus in 431, one in 451, there are seven prominent ones. But let me tell you why this is important for us to know. I feel that today as Christians, we ignore all that and we seem, you know, we're asking God, God, will you do this for me? And God is saying, look, all these meetings were on your behalf. So that when you show up in 2019, that people have gone back and forth arguing about doctrine, arguing about the gospel, arguing about God's love for you. And God, and I, and I, and I, I hope, you know, that people would research, people would pray, people would study, and find that, Lord, what has been handed over to us, so he says, when they gathered and they fought, they did it so you could hear of my love for you as you drove through Lagos traffic. He began to say to me that our statements of faith are more important than our political views. They are more important even about our views about social justice, more important about your views about the economy, more important about the views about what club you support. What you value, you protect. That God will bring us to a place where we treat his word, where we treat doctrine as valuable, as holy, as powerful. I'm going to have to take the interview now, so I'm going to pause, but I just really for today, wonder what and so wonder what what doctrine we have learned as a church because there's this thing about being custodians I believe that God is looking for teachers who will teach his word and some of you you kind of know that God has been prodding you for a while I believe that every Christian should finish reading the Bible I don't think it's a, it's not a big deal. You should, at a very, at, you should even, it's easy to even listen to the Bible. I believe that we should discuss doctrine freely and openly. And if you ever hear something that you think is not consistent with the truth, to stand up and say, hey, I do not understand this, or I don't think this is consistent with the truth. But lives were laid down for this. I'll read again in closing Jude chapter 1, 3 to 4. Dear friends, I have dropped everything, I'm reading the message translation, to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. I have to write insisting, begging, that you fight with everything you have for this faith 
entrusted to us as a gift to guard and cherish. That God is saying, who will I find faithful in this generation to hold custody of truth? He says, what has happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks because our scriptures have warned us that this would happen. The Orthodox Church, as we know, was a, essentially a whole season of fighting for the truth. God, I, I, I spent time studying and, you know, to try and put one, you know, 400 years together into 30 minutes of talk is tri tricky. But all through it, what I kept on finding was, it was like God was in his love looking for people in our day who would break that whole thing of I'm just a Christian and say, look, I'm going to sit and, and just read, I'm going to read scripture. I'm going to understand scripture. But you can tell somebody next to you, you cannot be far from your Bible. You cannot be far from your Bible. Yeah. If I tell the person on the other side, you should be closer to your Bible than Instagram. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because if we brought the report out, your activity report on Instagram are one. And your activity report, in fact, now it's easy because with you version, we kind of know, some of you have a streak going on, happy for you. Some of you, every time you open is one. Some of you don't have your version. It's okay. But would you, would you step into your father's house? Yeah? For someone. Would you step into your father's love for someone? Would you break protocol? Would you dare to be a Christian indeed? I know there are things pending in your prayer request for God. But in this season, would you, would you, would you try? <laughs> That's it. Would you dedicate time to studying scripture, to listening to scripture? I believe that the part when we go through, I mean, next week is going to be phenomenal. Uh, but I believe that when we finish this conversation that we would have a word for the church and that's what I've been saying that you would find it difficult to be a casual Lagos Christian I, I believe that I believe that your friends will tell you that something has changed I believe that you would be fascinated by scripture Yeah, that you would not be tossed to and fro by every week I can continue talking, no, sorry but I should stop here I believe that it's a call to falling in love with God's word all over again. Let, let's bow our heads and pray. And, and we're going to take that interview for 10 minutes. But let's bow our heads and pray. And our prayer this morning is very simple. Is that Lord, deep within my heart, deep within my life, let, let true doctrine reign. Yeah? Let your word fill my heart. Someone needs to say this morning, Lord, I don't want to be a social Christian. I don't want to be a, a fake Christian I don't want to be a a social Christian I don't know what your walk with God is but I'd like you to I'll ask you I'll ask you to, to just pray and say Lord in our walk me and you Lord let us break records let us do something different 
let the let the coming weeks let the coming months be of discovery someone needs to say Lord open my eyes someone you know you've never read the Bible back to back and say Lord give me grace let me read the Bible someone else needs to say Lord show me where you are sending me to and someone I know you are saying I'm like Paul I have this I have that I have this challenge and God is saying look I'm the one who is at work in you both to will and to do of my good pleasure someone is saying Lord I don't want to play games anymore I want to know you for myself I like us to pray this morning. I like us to pray this morning. Because in all of this is a story of love. In all of this is a story of power. In all of this is a story of calling. In all of this is a story that is bigger than the story about Nigeria. It's bigger than the story about your circumstance. It's at the very core of why you live, why you exist. The fact that God designed you for a purpose. And he has been planning for you to be here. He didn't call you to be here and to run empty. No. He called you to be equipped. He called you to know him. Our Father, we give you thanks. Our Father, we give you thanks. Lord, today as a church, we thank you for loving us from a long distance. We thank you, Lord, for the labor, the investment of men and women from different parts of the world guarding truth debating doctrine praying for us for such a time as this <laughs> Lord this morning we ask like people say in our time that we will not we will not fall your hand we will not we will not let you down Lord open spaces in our hearts for truth Lord cause a burning desire in our heart for your word. Let us consume your word like nothing else. Let it become the biggest part of our diet. Let it become the fascination of our hearts. Let it become what we hunger after. Let your word, Lord, not be far from anyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, I declare this morning that it's a new day in our walk with you. That when we sleep, we are meditating upon your word. Our Father, we thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.